You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. My name is Roger Osorio, and I am your host. I'm a reinvention coach and the author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. I'm here with Paivi Yarvempa, who works for OP. Actually, you're going to tell us a lot more about what you do because it's not enough to basically give you one title that would not be doing it justice. And that's why I want you to tell the story. But we are here in Oulu, Finland, uh, where we get to connect in person. And please let the audience know a little bit more about your journey to reinvention. Thanks, Roger. Uh, really happy to be here. And thanks for inviting me on this show. Um I've always had terrible, terrible uh, issues with when somebody asked me to define myself. <laughs> I hear that. I hate that question, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I? Yeah. These situations when somebody comes comes to you and says like, hey, so um, it's like, so who are you? What do you do? Um, so this is one of those moments. Very good. But oh, we're going to do it conversationally. <laughs> so it's going to be different. It's not like I'm asking you, stand up, tell us all who you are. Yeah. But well, um, I don't know, like, um, if I try to somehow holistically define myself, I, I would say that I went from a an artistic and, and kid who was bullied at school to, um, to someone who's doing lots and lots of stuff in, in so many different environments and who is not limited by any, any, um, domains or industries or boxes how I call them, um, and of course had my battles along the way as well. I'm also mom for two kids, and and um, that's also obviously a big part of my life as well. But um, I'm my day job is at OP Financial Group, which is the largest financial services group in Finland. I'm working for the Innovation Lab there, uh, so um, I have the communications and culture hat. So um, I'm running this very passionate um, project there. Um, I'm going to tell you more about that. But um, I'm also a singer, a classical singer. And most specifically, I'm I'm um, opera singer. Mm -hmm. And I'm also AI-assisted speaking coach. I'm um, a performer, more generously speaking. Um, I'm a lot of things, but I can't really describe it more um, specifically. I've been doing a lot of different industries, a lot of different types of tasks. I'm a generalist, uh, professionally speaking, but I do have very specific, many specific uh, areas where I have specialized as well. Yeah. So it's very difficult to define myself, generally speaking. You are uniquely you, clearly. Yeah, uh, that's there is no other way. I have to be me. No, and that's a big part of the reason why I wanted us to have this conversation because, you know, our mission with this show 
is to show people that it is possible to say everything you just said. The fact that you just said everything you just said, for someone who's listening to this, they're thinking, I didn't know all that could happen at once. But it can. It can throughout a lifetime, at one moment, for a period, however long it does. But, you know, you are someone who, you know, from looking afar at you and keeping up, we met obviously back in 2017 during an event here in Finland. It was uh, clear just following you that, wow, you do a lot of really interesting things. And so I couldn't help but think to myself, well, here's someone who is living life on her terms. She's building it out her way. Um, in all areas of life, like you mentioned, you're also um, um, a wife and a mother, and you know, this is an, also an important dimension of your life, which we got to, you know, we were just chatting about before we started the interview. This is this is why I think it's important to, you know, even say it the way you said it. I mean, who cares if it's not some perfect, <laughs> succinct statement? I mean, it's it, you're not you're not succinct. <laughs> you have a lot going on. You have you you. There are a lot of dimensions to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about just kind of the journey. Like, wh- where did it start? How about that? Where did it, everything start for you? Oh, well, I was I was born in a small village near Oulu. Oh, wow. You took us all the way back. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> that was, uh, I, <laughs> okay, but yeah, sure. That's a uh, small village in Oulu. <laughs> yeah, this is like really, um, I don't know. Um, it's how I am. I'm very thorough as well. Uh, that's sometimes can, it can be a limitation as well. Because <laughs> then I'm like, you know, ancient Romans, you know. But um, <laughs> your family history. Let let me start with my great 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 great, yeah, and that'll help you understand me a yeah. lot better. Yeah, absolutely. But but yeah, I I I spent my childhood and and my adolescence in a small village, uh, where I didn't really fit in. I, I can see a pattern here. Because I didn't fit in that small town, um, you know, box, like the way you should be. And I felt like I didn't fit that. So that's why I felt like I wasn't accept- accepted in, in the social circles yeah. uh, so much. And um, as a kid, I, 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 was, I was quite lonely. But I, I did have some friends who, um, from outside of school who also shared these artistic fa- passions and stuff like that. So... Um, but then when I got away from that, that village, then to, to a little bit like bigger circles here in Oulu, if I can call them big, but, um, I went to music high school, you know, I found people who were, I felt like, okay, they're more like me. We share something together. Uh, I was interested in a lot of things. I have to say mostly languages, music, that sort of stuff. I never had this ultimate goal career goal like because you know some people are always like hey i want to be a doctor mm-hmm. i want to be uh you know a nurse or w- whatever like yeah. some people have these very specific goals i never had them but i knew what i i enjoyed and what i was passionate about like in terms of hey i love languages i love uh, music and then i always just went towards them i I seeked places where I could study them, where I could become, you know, like better in in pursuing them. Um, And then it just led to like doors opening up here and there. I started doing a lot of things. I started studying multiple degrees. I started working. I I already, you know, everybody was always asking me to work, you know, whenever I started my studies. Uh, So I was a freelancer to start with. 
Um, I started off with different sorts of language stuff. Uh, they asked me like, hey, could you come to our company to teach English? Or could you, um, you know, help us with this, this, um, 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 how is that called? Not master's degree, but the PhD. Yeah. PhD degree. Like we need, we need help with this text and we need translator. We need uh interpreter or, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, so I started off like that. Um, and uh, so languages became like the first, um, uh, my first core competence in, yeah. in some way. And um, languages and culture that was extended to culture. I was in working with exchange students. I was, um, you know, helping them to cope with the cultural uh, experience here in Finland. So I, you know, those were the areas that I initially was interested in. Then at some point I got, um, I, I felt like I want something more. I want that business aspect there. I studied a business degree as well. And then um, I um, started working in in startup uh, mm. circles i started building the startup uh uh scene in in startup community here in oulu mm -hmm. uh so the first wave of you know because nokia fell yep. those times and the first wave of of startup community started and i was in that like really passionately building that and contributing to that community i was working for a startup what was the year that nokia had their like where it really started dropping for them well this this first year that that, that was like um 2008 9 10 you know there but that that wave started um that startup wave was mm -hmm. like 2011 something like that yeah. those were the golden years for that because then you know people started thinking that we need startups we need mm -hmm. um, and I imagine you have all this talent out on the street Exactly. With like exactly. wondering, what do I do now? And yep. they reinvented themselves into entrepreneurs. Exactly. And it was fantastic to be a part of that. Yeah. And I, I felt like when I went to the startup scene, I felt like I'm at home because, you know, everybody had this, shared this optimistic uh, idea of the future. Like, you know, and, and I felt like, okay, this is a great environment. Sure. And work environments have been super, super uh, important for me because I feel anxious if the box is too tight. Yep. And if it's like they're limited, but in in I I I thrive in environments where you have a lot of freedom and um you know space to reinvent yourself exactly yeah. and create something new. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I never pursued a career as a classical singer, as an opera singer. Uh, I have so many colleagues who are now singing in in the world opera houses. But I feel like that wasn't for me because yeah. it was so that is a tight defined, box. a very tight box. Yeah. And I, I just feel, didn't feel comfortable in that. And I felt like I always underperformed when I was under that tight. Uh, but whenever I could do it on my own terms, I started blossoming. But um, yeah, so um, yeah. Career so we're in like that 2011, 12, 13. You're helping to bring this community to life here yeah. to kind of organize all these people together and, you know, get them talking. At what point do you, did you join OP? Um, well, I had uh, a period in between when I was doing this crazy Hollywood movie production. <laughs> oh, look at this. The story. <laughs> get, look at that. I love it. it, it started, Say more. It's, Say a, more. it's a very weird story, I have to tell you. Um, 
it all started when my uncle passed away, away very suddenly. Uh, it was one day before he turned 50. He was a primary school's teacher. Uh, he was playing football with the kids. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden he just like fell on, on the field and he passed away. And that was a really tragic thing. And of course, when something like that happened, I felt like, oh, my God, I want to do something for his family. Like, what can I do? What, how can I help them? Um, their oldest kid was my godson. And he was just about to turn 18. And then, you know, my first burst of like wanting to do something was like, hey, now I'm just going to organize something spectacular for him that, you know, that is a happy thing for everyone, sure. you know, that will make him happy in, in, in the middle of all this terrible thing. Yeah. And uh, what I started doing, I started like listing uh what he enjoys and what he likes because he, he he was a musician he played in a band so i started listing these are the bands that he looks up for mm -hmm. these are his idols and and um i and also there were a lot of other things like he enjoyed like uh i don't know like fast cars and you know that age yeah people you know that's a cool thing like fast cars and stuff like that so um i'm still into fast cars <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I started contacting all these bands and I was like, okay, like, can we do something together? And all of them were like in, like everybody was like, yeah, sure, let's do something. So he started getting invited to different events where these bands were playing to backstage. And, and, and then um, I, I asked help from like so many different um different instances not only the bands but there were so many people involved with this uh creating these surprise experiences for him mm -hmm. and um we made a movie uh together with my cousins to to um you know surprise him on his birthday uh there's this big big uh band called blind channel they they were in the eurovision contest and they are Nowadays they are really big. Back then they were not as known, but they were playing in his in his surprise party. They came there, you know, just everybody just came in and helped. Yeah. And they were part of that that movie and and then I also contacted this this guy who I heard of uh, who called himself a prince and he was doing a uh, uh, some sort of rally short movies here and then um, when I met him, then he was like, hey, I would like to bring this Hollywood production to Olu. Like, could you help me? And then, uh, you know, I ended up doing that thing with him. And, um, yeah, so we brought this, this um, as a result of all, all this that yeah. happened, uh, we brought this Hollywood movie production to Olu that had the Prison Break stars. Uh, there were some, like, A-list celebrities mm -hmm. from <laughs> Hollywood doing that. And, uh it was a pretty uh, intense experience. It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about, uh, um, first of all, it was amazing to do that. It was an adventure. It was it was crazy. It was everything beyond. But um, what I learned, my big lessons learned were, first of all, um, I had a value clash with that whole Hollywood scene. I felt like my values are not incompatible with with that environment, yeah. I felt like this is not for me. And and then I quit after that project. Mm. Um, um, and I that's when I joined OP because that, that was the time when they asked me to join. 
Yeah. And and then I was like, okay, now it's time for something else because uh, this value clash was something that I felt like I couldn't live with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also learned that the the power of human mind is like really, uh, it's it's really almost limitless. Mm-hmm. I I got a big big lesson, um, from that. Tell me about the so when you talk about the value clash, the clash with uh, with your values. How did that come about? How did you discover that? Oh, I felt like that environment was trying to change me. Okay. So you you already had a good idea of what your set of values were in this situation going into it? Yeah, I, I felt like um, I always wanted to be like like uh, transparent and trustworthy and, and everything. And then I felt like, and, and also that has to do with the environments where I feel like I'm thriving, uh, I felt like there were a lot of, um, let's say, people's trauma, trauma, (laughs) traumas were very much on the surface there. Yeah. And I felt like, um, you know, there's a certain way that I've dealt with situations, I've dealt with people in the past, and I want to continue you know, I looked back and I said, and I saw that it had always worked for me. So why would I need to change? Mm-hmm. And then I felt like, okay, you know, the way people do things here is not like what I want to do. Like, got it. It was like exploitation of people and some sort of dishonesty or or backstabbing stuff, stuff like yeah. that. For example, I. I didn't feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like in terms of those boxes, there was a box again. Like this is the way you do things here. Yeah. No, but I didn't I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do things that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah, no, I mean I, I and I ask that because some of our listeners might be in a situation where they feel like something's wrong here and I can't quite figure it out. And yeah. so I think it, you know, and it might be a clash of values. They're just not exactly sure what's causing that discomfort you know I, I had an experience where in an internship on wall street i thanks to that experience i realized wow this career path i was going after doesn't feel so right anymore because to your point there were just things that were happening there that i go this is not how i believe things should be handled and i just didn't click with it you know so i'm like look i'm not here to change their culture or their environment and, you know you guys do what you do i'm just going to go do something else and yeah. so I think it's important when someone feels maybe some sort of discomfort, they can't figure out what it is to consider the possibility that maybe there's something there that doesn't align with their values or their purpose or who they are. And that's okay. You know, like you said, you it's about becoming aware and then making a decision that I will not, you know, change for this situation. And I'd rather go find something else, another opportunity. Absolutely. Because those kind of situations, they've really like eat you they're eating you and and yes. you don't even necessarily see how much energy they're consuming because it's in on the background in a way under the surface a little bit um and you know you might have that uncomfortable feeling of like you know it's not all like fully okay but like still why 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 shouldn't i be happy here like i had this feeling in in on many occasions i'm not just talking about this one particular project but um you know when i felt like something was off 
uh, I feel like totally burned out, but I can't put my finger on on what's like what's really wrong. Mm-hmm. And of course, I could name a couple of things maybe, but but usually it, it's a combination of many things. But these things can consume so much energy. They're like sucking the energy out of you and you don't even notice that. Um, and um, yeah. It's a high price to pay. Yeah, and, that, and that's a big really high price burnout. to pay. So for example, sometimes when I felt like, okay, um, the only moment that makes me happy is looking at my bank account. <laughs> But but that's that's not very. It's not a long moment. Yeah, exact exactly because if otherwise you're really unhappy, like what's the point? Yeah, because you're losing your health, you're losing your happiness, you're losing everything. And I think that's important for you know for people to hear that because I think when you're in the moment, you know, especially if you're someone who's positive in many situations, you might say to yourself. I can make it through this. It'll get better. It'll be okay. I just have to persevere and 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 continue to push through this moment. It'll be fine. But it's, you know, and while yes, that's always good at, you know, we, we always say that, like it's important to persevere and do those things, but you have to really pick what do you want to persevere in? Do you want to persevere on a path that that is aligned with who you are? Or do you want to persevere against a path that is not aligned, you know, with who you are? And where is it better spent? Where is it better to spend your energy? And to your point, you know, and I, and, and I think that if you think that and you convince yourself, you rationalize that it's going to be okay. You're you're sharing with us here that the the secret cost that will eventually catch up to you is that watch that energy drain, watch that burnout start to kick in, watch that unfulfillment, that maybe even depression at some point. Yeah. Um, I've been in situations like that and uh, gosh, I, it's crazy. I've even found those situations in jobs that I love, mm-hmm. but the yeah. culture or the, you know, there was drama and, and, yeah. and then it's just like, oh my gosh, like I hate this. Like mm-hmm. this is eating away at me. I don't even have energy to do the things that I love outside of work anymore. I just yep. want to go home, turn on Netflix and, and just wait till the next day, you know, like go to sleep and wait till the next day. Yep. And that's not fun. That's, that's totally true like I've always been very committed like when I really put myself into something I've always felt this like uh, sense of loyalty towards the employer or whatever I've been always like really committed when I really start doing something and and it's always taken me a long time really really long time probably too long and I've been going always too far before I say like okay that's that's enough uh, because maybe because of that commitment and that loyalty and yeah. because y- you always try to make it work you try so hard to make it work and then you tend to blame yourself like why am I not happy like you know I have this this great job and this 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 things and like you know what's wrong with me like why you know you tend to blame yourself um, quite often and and then for me it's been really relieving to see also that when something changes sometimes it can be in your mind sometimes it can be in the environment you know you need a change whatever it is but you need a change but when something changes and you see that oh my god this is so different i feel so different uh that's the game changer yeah like i i have an example of this like i uh my current job it, it, it's pretty amazing that um, that 
you know, before I, I had some tough times there as well. And I felt like, um, you know, I felt like I asked myself these questions, like, can I, is there still something I can give to this this uh, community? Is, is there still something from me to, left to give? And and I felt like like completely empty and, and burned out. But then uh, something changed in the environment. And in, in this case, that was a game changer for me because I felt like, oh my God, now I don't have that, uh, this or that uh, uh, burden anymore. And, and also um, the biggest thing I feel for me was when I'm, I, I might be doing exactly the same things as before, but now I have a strong mission and I don't feel any fear or hesitation doing that. Like the lack of fear has probably been the biggest game changer in terms of like um, just going for it. But but for that, you need that mission because if you don't have a clear mission that you feel is yours, yeah. that is coming from you. And that's worth pushing through any fears or whatever it might exactly. be. Then, you know, I don't think about like yeah. who I'm talking to for if, if it's like a big director or like, some important figure or whatever i don't care about status or whatever because when i have that mission i'm so determined yeah i know exactly what i'm doing and I, yeah I, I think that's that's really powerful because I, I, what you're suggesting here or what no very clearly stating i would say is that you know how, the role of purpose in all of this if without purpose without a powerful reason why yeah fears have a home they have they have fuel they have uh, fertile ground but but when you have purpose, it's almost like, where does fear fit in here? I can't find the place to be in here because there's too much purpose in this person. I don't think she cares about anything scary. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it bothers her right now because she's powered by purpose and that's what's keeping us moving. I think that is a really important takeaway because anyone who's on this journey, whatever it is that they might be doing, no matter how scary it might be, you got to really be clear about why you want to do it. I mean, I, I, I've always felt that there are goals that I set, uh, some that I do, some that I don't. And when I reflect on the ones that I don't, what I realize more often than not, I mean, some, I just didn't do it because maybe I didn't dedicate the time, but the majority of them were because I just wasn't that interested. The purpose wasn't there. And if the purpose is not there, why would I persevere to go do hard stuff that scares me? No, thanks. Like I'd rather spend that energy over here where I'm incredibly excited and passionate. Absolutely. Like you have to feel it, you know, that, you know, sense of, of purpose and mission has to grow out of you. Uh, otherwise it's, you know, you're just like empty inside and you're, you're just doing something, but your, your heart is not there. Um, and, you know, and then if you're asking like, okay, how did you then find your passion? I don't have answers to that because, you know, uh, things, I believe things happen for a reason and sometimes you don't find it by looking. But it just comes when the moment is right. Um, I argue that passions are developed. Mm -hmm. It's it's like a relationship. I, I what The advice I often give is that date a lot of interests. Take a lot of dates. First, second, third dates and all of that. Um, passion will come from one of those interests that you date a long time and you develop a real relationship with. So it's something to be developed, not something that just 
happens on day one. Oh my God, this is it. And by the way, if you're lucky enough to have found something that you really like on day one, you know, you tried it once and you're like, this is it. This is my life's mission. That's super cool. I'm, you know, congratulations. That is awesome. But most people do not find it on day one. And so it's important that we, you know, get to know that and develop those passions. Cause yeah, like, like you said, I don't think it's something you really just find. I think it's something you develop. Yeah. Absolutely. And and for me, it's always been like, like I mentioned before, it's been always just um, like feeling that, hey, this is interesting um, as, a, as a topic or or something like, as a skill or whatever. Like if you're interested in something, when you start pursuing that, developing that, whether it's it's a job or a hobby or I, I don't distinguish between jobs and hobbies, by the way, <laughs> I, I just do things. Uh, because when people ask me, like, what are your hobbies? I'm like, uh, I don't have hobbies. I just do things. <laughs> because, you know, to me, they're just, you know, sometimes you get paid more. Sometimes you get paid less. And sometimes you don't get paid. Sometimes you you pay, you know, but you just do things. I don't do anything that I don't enjoy. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. And I think that what you're doing there is you're making it very clear that the amount of money something generates does not dictate what level of importance is how it has or how much weight it carries in your life yeah i mean one of the most important moments of my life was when i spent time as a teacher as a math teacher but i made the least amount of income doing that and yet i loved it way more than any of the income that could have possibly come from it yeah sure huh Let's talk about something you said re- uh, regarding your values. So when you were talking about your situation, even in, in, a, in, in a work situation where you're happy, but you have this uh, value of loyalty where you want to stay and see something through. And that's a good thing, right? Like if somebody says loyalty is one of my values, like we, we look at that and say, that's awesome. Like that's so cool. But you you also said it in a context where it felt like, hmm, maybe not so cool. Loyalty is keeping you in something that is not right for you. And yet you're following your values. I want to talk about this because I think we all have the possibility of having a value that is not bad. It's just that there are moments when maybe it's not the right value to have. So tell, tell me a little bit more about that moment where you felt like you were following your values, but they kind of maybe got you into a little trouble. Yeah, well, um, afterwards, I've been actually thinking about this, that that loyalty, you should primarily have it towards yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you should be loyal to, um, like, y- you in terms of what do you need. Sometimes what your mind wants is not y- the same things as what your body needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because as a person who gets very excited about things, it's sometimes very difficult to say no to cool things, for example. And um, I felt like one of my uh, big statements in life from 20 to 30 years old was that I can be anything, I can do anything I want, I can learn anything or be anything or whatever. But that also had the downside of like certain l- limitlessness. Um, and that meant that 
I wasn't always like listening to what my body needed mm-hmm. because, you know, and that led to a situation where my mind and body, body connection was lost. And, and that meant that my mind was still like, like, you know, going for things, mm-hmm. but I wasn't listening to my body. So in that situation, I wasn't loyal to myself. So yeah, you're totally right. Um, that loyalty can be um, a downside when you're in a situation that's hurting you. Mm-hmm. Because then um, like you're thinking of other people too much or you're thinking of that, that loyalty too much and, and not putting yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, that's of course a lesson that I've been like trying to learn and struggling with. Um, it's still about balancing I don't think I don't think there's ever a perfect balance we have to strive for that we have to try to balance things constantly but still it's always like uh you know it's a never-ending thing yeah um that I don't think I can ever um like just discover the perfect balance and be there all the time I I don't think it's it's uh even meant to be that way, but yeah. we have to look for that. Yeah, work but, towards it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of the things I, I share in the book about the journey to reinvention is that what I mean by the journey to reinvention is it's that it's a pursuit. And honestly, it's a never ending pursuit to re like readjust and reinvent your life into alignment with your evolving values, passions, and purpose. You'll never be perfectly in sync with it because those things will shift first. You'll notice a gap. Uh-oh, what I'm doing is no longer aligned with where my values and my passions are going. And so now, the sooner I can become aware of that, the sooner I can bring those back to alignment or as close as I can into alignment. So I get what you're saying in the sense that you can never follow it perfectly. You'll always trail it. But I think that being aware of it and then doing something about it and working towards bringing them into alignment is is what you can do. Going back to what you said about loyalty, you know, you talked about how as like in life, you kind of learned that, hmm, yes, yes to loyalty, but also a specific kind of loyalty, you know, to myself, to my body, listening to me and what's right for me. And I think that's the takeaway here from what I was asking. This is what I'm, I was looking for from you was you know, how can someone think about this when they have a, a set of values that is actually taking them on a path that's making things harder for them? And what you just said is, is that it's like you have to use your values intentionally. You have to make sure that they are intentionally leveraged or not leveraged, that they're intentionally applied to the situation so that it helps you and it doesn't hurt you. Because to your point, loyalty can also hurt if you have loyalty to the wrong things. Yeah, absolutely. And and the key to that is first knowing yourself and becoming aware of the values and also like um you know, becoming aware of of what are what also can be your your a pitfalls or I mean, I don't like to say weaknesses, but like, you know, sometimes these good things can turn against us. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, they can be good things to start with. But if you first become aware of them, um, then you have, after that, you have to have the the courage to make the right decisions. Because sometimes 
you know, y- y- you might know what you should do, but you don't have the courage to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's also a really tricky situation because there's nobody good who can do it for you. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to take those steps yourself. And that can be a painful journey. Now, when I said earlier that my biggest statement in life from 20 to 30 was like, I can be anything. Um, then from 30 to 40, I, I was just, you know, face to face with my limitations all the time uh, because of all these difficult experiences that were brought me close to my my limits every day. Like these, like, kids uh, sleeping terribly bad and that burnout at work and you know so like all these different things that that happened during that decade mm-hmm. and um so limits i also discovered in in the last 10 years that limits can be also useful they can be your friend as well <laughs> so maybe that kind of just added you know it, it didn't dramatically change i still believe you can do whatever you want yeah um uh, but you just have to be very conscious about what you want and what it means. Yes, yeah. Um, so I, I'm i very stubborn, <laughs> the very stubborn person. So I, you know, I suffered from this burnout for years. And even in my darkest moments, I always like, I'm not going to change this idea on like who, you know, like being able to be anything that I want. And I didn't. And I, I don't think I let go of that idea. I just like, you know, uh, I, I, it didn't change. It just added. It, it, I just added this idea of, um, of being selective in what you want to do, mm-hmm. because you need to understand yourself and what the consequences are. So, yeah, that's maybe the only thing that was like complementing the the picture that I had before, but it didn't change. And yeah, that's. I, I think would happen. Camera turned off. Yeah, I heard a, a sound and I was like, whoa. This is a funny cam. Then even let's start it again. We're going to move on to the question about your definition of success. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to take it from there. Okay. Let's talk about success and how you define it. Uh, you know, and, and one of the things you started to talk about also was, you know, your, your family, you know, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, you know, you, you have, uh, two kids and, you know, uh, uh, your husband and all that. So you have your family, which obviously has become a big part of your overall life. And so as you, as you think, if, if today somebody, you know, who's let's say 18 or 19 asked you to define success give them your definition of success, what would you tell them is your definition of success? Uh, when I think of success as a word, first of all, I feel like it's a cold and empty word because it somehow, to me, it implies that somebody else defines what you, know, what you should be. Uh, I rather talk about meaning because there's no success without meaning like, or purpose. Um, so if you have a sense of purpose, um, like mission uh and and you can pursue that mission and you feel that you are bringing something good to the world um 
there's a reason why you are there. I think I would call that a success because that's when it, it's it's so complete. Yeah. Um, you don't, of course, like in if we talk about financial terms, you have to make ends meet. So you have to have uh, a way to, because we live in a practical world. <laughs> so, so you need to have enough money to support yourself and your family. But. So then eating is success. <laughs> Not necessarily making a lot of money so you can eat a lot. Just look, I have enough to eat. Yeah. You know, like, uh, so at least eating is not a problem in my life. <laughs> yeah. But that's something so subjective. Everybody yeah. defines themselves how their success looks like. I don't yeah. even like to talk about success. I just, I'm so mission and purpose driven mm-hmm. that I just think about, uh, you know, when I have my mission or my goal, you know, I'm just, thinking about how, how to get there and how to how to um, serve that purpose. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, I've, when, when uh, I talk to different people about it, you know, one of the things that comes up is, you know, some people have defined success as something that, they, that we could paint on a picture, like we could paint it and you could then see it from the outside looking at it, you could see success. And others define it as some, like a movie. There's no one snapshot. It's in, it's in motion. And what I'm hearing from you is it's it's in motion. It's something that's moving. It's me pursuing the things that matter to me. Like that's, yeah, exactly. I, if I get to pursue the things that matter to me, then I am successful. And if I'm not pursuing the things that matter to me, then that's a moment where I have to say, whoa, maybe that's not successful. And I have to figure out how to get back to pursuing what matters to me. Absolutely. That's my best definition of success. But but then also uh, for me, learning is one one of the biggest goals. I always like whenever I do something, I have a project or whatever. Uh, I after that, I formulate some sort of high level lessons to learn to myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm always striving for something better, bigger, uh, smarter, or whatever. Like in terms of how I do things. Yep. Um, so I'm I I've called myself a learnaholic. Um, I know that it's a uh, it's a different paradoxic way to <laughs> to describe that, but I'm still. <clears throat> you no, know, I used to say years ago that if I have to be addicted to something, I would love to be addicted to learning. <laughs> but um, I I don't know if I use that word really anymore. That that um, because. I don't know. It's m- more just about that purpose. I I've shifted more just mm-hmm. towards thinking about the purpose. Yeah. And the learning is kind of embedded. Yes. Along the way, because you you are just thinking about where you want to go, uh, or like w- what your big mission yeah. is, and the learning comes all the time and serves you. Because you have to. to yeah. You have to learn in order to move yeah. on the path. So. Learning is, like you said, I think you use this word, a byproduct in a way. Yeah. It just comes with the package. Exactly. If you're pursuing something that matters to you. Yeah. Exactly. All right. It's, was there ever a time that you had a different definition of success? Was there ever a time that you, you did look at success differently than you I, do today? I think that uh, when I was young, I don't think I had all these, like, words for it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I... I don't think I knew exactly. Um, I, I knew what I was interested in, 
I knew that, yeah, sure, I'm going to get a job or whatever, but I didn't know what kind of a job. And I still don't know. If I was ever looking for a job, I I wouldn't have any idea what kind of job I would be looking for because I never I never search for a job. Sure. And and I have no idea what kind of job I would be looking for because they have always found me. Yeah. <laughs> that, I love that. I love that. You know, the, you just reminded me of something. I, I was at an event once at a university and this professor... Uh, called me over into a conversation that he was having with another st- with a student, and the student was asking him about resumes and what he should put on his resume and all of that stuff. And the professor called me over and said, "Hey, Roger, you're not you know a, a student anymore. You're out there working and all that. Can you tell me the last time that you you uh, used a resume to get a job?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, uh, easy." Uh, and then I started thinking. No, no. I keep going back and back and back. And I go, oh my goodness. The last time I used a resume to get a job was my first job out of college, out of university. That was it. And at that, when I answered that question, I was, I think it was just last year or the year before. So I was 40 or 41. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that is mind blowing. I just realized, and he was just trying to make a point to this student who, was just so stressed over having the perfect resume. And he just wanted to, I guess, give that student perspective. Hey, just keep in mind, don't stress so much out over this because you'll be surprised how people actually get jobs. And to your point, I mean, let's talk a little bit about this idea of how, if you reflecting, if you had to teach someone how to attract jobs, what would you tell them? Do things simple as that because like if it you know i remember that when i was 18 and and yeah i i was still in high school and i i was like okay i need to find myself a summer job uh usually the way i found them i just went to a store or whatever do you need to no <laughs> yeah i just went to a store or something um and asked them like hey do you have jobs and then they're like oh sure like you know then come tomorrow it just like just somehow felt really easy Mm. uh but at the same time when i was preparing my resume at that time i was so stressed uh and you know those thoughts of like why would anybody hire me that was terrible um because yeah it's it's really um what i would say to myself my 18 year old self now I would tell her that uh, you will find your path, but it's not really something you should look for. Uh, It will come and you will create your own path. There are no ready uh, pipelines for you, but you are like building it yourself and you will build it yourself. And I would just tell her that, hey, just go towards the things that you enjoy, go towards the things that that you feel interested in, study them, become better at them, go to, go to do things, go to do volunteer work or go to learn new skills, but but just have this one guideline. It has to be something that, you know, you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, not do it just for the sake of being employed. Yep. You know, not thinking like, okay, I have to um, like think how I will get a job but more like 
I mean, of course, some people can do it that way and that works for them. But but for me, it was never a useful advice. Yeah. Like, for example, when when I was um, on maternity leave and I felt desperate about what do I want and who am I professionally, I went to this group. Uh, it was a course provided by, by some sort of employment services. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a group of people thinking, um, no, how can I get a job? And I was the only one there like, who am I? Who am I professionally? And and everybody else was thinking how to get a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, um, obviously it was a question that everybody needs to ask. But, um, but usually the traditional approach is that you think of how to get a job. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like... Um, I mean, I think I get what you're saying because it's, the emphasis is so much on the job rather than some sort of mission or what's the purpose of the job or what what result. I often ask people when they're not sure about their next job, <laughs> I go, what's the result you want to create? And then let's find a job that puts you in a position to deliver that result or that impact or that outcome. Instead of trying to say what job, because I think to you know, I think what you're trying to say is like, when you focus on the job so much, yeah, truth is you can get a job. There are techniques, there are strategies, there are methods to do it. But is that going to be what makes you happy or fulfilled at the end of the day? I mean, I, I'm sure if you said, all right, I, give me the list of things that one has to do to get a job. And if you just decided to put all your energy into it, you can go get any job. But then you're wondering, well, but is that what I really wanted? You know, And I feel like what you said earlier about Um, what the advice you would give this young woman is that you would tell her to build it, build your career, build your job, do things that interest you, acquire skills along the way, build a network, do all of those things and, and just watch how you create a path. You build your, pave your path more than you look for the path that you have to walk and just follow their rules and all of that. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like also you were trying to, I think, show that it, you know, Finding a job for some people might work. I mean, I, yeah, of course, I think it does. But I, I, I tend to agree with you um, on and because I've lived it, and I found, like I said, I haven't used a resume in over twenty years, and the resume hasn't done anything for me because I have moved, I've created opportunities, I move towards opportunities that align with me by doing it just exactly what you said. I, I did what you said. Do things. I do things. I do things that I enjoy. I do things that I love, um, and I do them now. I don't wait until later. Absolutely, and and uh, also, um, young people. It kind of terrifies me how young age they should know. They are expected to know where they want to go, um, and because. I didn't know. I had no idea what would be my profession. Like, what kind of job would I do? I had absolutely no idea. Imagine saying what you do now. Yeah. As like an 18, 19, 20-year-old. Exactly. I had no idea. Impossible, right? Like, there's yeah. no way you would have... You wouldn't even have the words. Exactly. You're like, I didn't know those were langu- words uh, that existed. I could Because eat. it's difficult for me to even describe it now. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. You don't even have the words now. <laughs> so, it took uh, us like 20 <laughs> minutes to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's always like w- when somebody asks me, like, what do you do? I was like, do you want the short answer or the wrong answer? If if they want the short answer, then I say, I work in a bank. Yeah, there you go. Done. Bye. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah. but the long answer, it, it changes the yeah. whole thing because it, 
Yeah, but it's a but what you do now is a product of what you have done. It's mm. it's what you it, it's mm. th this is what you have built mm. over time, you know. And yeah. so of course there was no way you could ever answer this question yeah. before you built it. You know, even a year, I'm sure, even five years ago, you wouldn't have been able to describe this, like what exactly how it's unfolded. Yeah, <laughs> there's no way I, I could have done that. But um, um, sorry, I forgot my thought. I had a thought, but I suddenly lost it. I'm sick and... Oh, God, I totally lost it. I had a really good thought and then it disappeared. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gee. Um, well, it's going to come back. It will come back. Yeah. And then you'll say, here it is. Yeah, yeah, it's going to come back. Like, Yeah. But we were talking about... Um, no, just like, like being able to like the idea of building a career path and how when you were 18, 19 or 20, there's no way you could have mm. even thought these things or have the language to even think about these things or describe what you're doing today. Um, and, you know, we talked about how you said that, uh, well, even today, you don't have the language <laughs> to be able to say some of those things now. Um, so imagine when you were a kid to have to be uh, to be able to say this or have to uh, give an answer to this question. Yeah. But let's go back to that idea because we'll pick it up yeah. from there. Yeah. You were talking about how, you know, we ask young people, we challenge them. We we almost burden, I think we burden them with this question, you know, what do you want to do? Like, and, and decide now so you can select the proper major and do all these things. I mean, what do you think about that? Like, uh, uh, you know, that, that young person getting this question. That worries me because uh, that's when you get stressed about like, I, you know, um, doing the right thing and meeting the, the expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have any any space for anything to grow out of you um, because that what that's what we would want. Of course, there are dif dif different kinds of people. There are people who are motivated by different kinds of things. You know, if, if you're uh, the type of a person who is like, uh, I just want to um, work, uh, do, do a job that... I, I can make ends meet with that mm -hmm. job and then my passions are elsewhere and that's fine because you know if you're that kind of a person like and it works for you why not but uh I could not see myself live like that um that's why I I'm I'm worried that young people need to decide so early and they are kind of expected to know so early yeah what they want to do because I I wouldn't have done I I wouldn't have known uh, I and yeah, it's still difficult for me to describe this. And speaking of what you said earlier about your passion for learning and how important of a role that plays in your life, and you know, you, you're self-proclaimed learnaholic. <laughs> I almost said alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> learnaholic, you're a learnaholic. So, I think that one of the challenges with asking young people these questions is that when you challenge them to have to make all these decisions so early, do they enjoy the learning? you know, that you're doing, or are they doing it because, well, this is what I have to do because I pick something and I have to go do it. I'm thinking in particular about, um, you know, universities in the U.S. I don't know how it all works here, but in the, some universities, it's becoming so competitive to select a major. So imagine you hit the moment where you're supposed to elect your major and imagine being told, oh, what's your choice? And you give a choice and then they say, it's full. 
But how could it be full? Like we're all at the same time deciding, no, it's already full. Give me your next one. Oh, that one's full too. Give me the next one. Oh, you don't meet the GPA requirement for that. Wait, what's going on here? It's like, yep, they're all filled up. And what they're forcing students to do is to say, well, I have to have a super high GPA to get into these competitive majors. Now I know the most in-demand ones. And clearly I have to have this figured out at the beginning. And so what I found students are doing, uh, they are selecting the easiest uh, classes at the beginning of their you know, freshman year and sophomore year uh, so that they have the highest GPA to qualify for the majors that, uh, the majors that they think are the most in demand that, that they want. And then I'm thinking, wow, how unfortunate two years of wasted learning opportunities, because you're just taking the, the simple classes that you don't even care about. You're just in it because you heard that's an easy A. Like if I take that class, I'm going to get a top grade easily without trying. And I need that right now. And I'm thinking that's two years that you had the world at your finger, especially if you go to one of these big universities. I went to a massive university. I could have picked anything. And I did. I was like, I'm not playing this game because I'm here to, to learn. And I'm going to pay for this for a long time. We pay a lot for universities in the US. And so I'm going to pay for this for a long time in my life. So I'm going to make sure that I take classes that I'm going to enjoy, learn from, and challenge myself and all of that. I think, again, this is a lot of this stems from I have to pick something now and add this extra layer that it's a competitive thing to pick. So, gosh, I better start taking as easy class as I can just to get the grades. Yeah, that's I, I totally see why the situation is so tough in the U.S. because you pay so much for the education yeah. in Finland uh, because education is free. Then it's a whole different situation because even though well, the young people, they are under pressure here as well. They are also pressured to know what they want. So that's no different. Mm-hmm. But what's, what is different is that it's been uh, easier here to, uh, you know, you try something. If you don't enjoy it, then you go. You, you can try, pivot. Yeah, you can pivot. You can try something else. And, you know, like, of course, you would have had um, spent two years doing something that you discovered you don't enjoy. But that's okay. That's learning. Um, but I, I understand that in the U.S. is also money, so yeah, it's so, it's a lot so of we money. We can't keep trying. Exactly. It comes at a high cost. Yeah, so I, I understand that the situation is different, but here it's it, there's more freedom to uh, like, hey, like, you know, it's not like one, one time shot. It, you don't need mm-hmm. to know it once. You can try something and, you know, you can study something later if you wish mm-hmm. uh, because the Finnish system is pretty flexible with this. And and you can also study new professions like later on as well, or even completely change to something else. You you might have been working in one industry, and then, then you can just um, get a new training or education and get you know get to a different industry. So it's more flexible. Yeah. So I totally understand. In the states, it's more um, you have more at stake when you pay yeah, more yeah. for that. Yeah. But now I remember <laughs> what I was going to say before because. One of the huge things for me is that um, I, I hope that young people don't take pressure about uh, finding passion either. Because if they don't know where their passion is, uh, I don't want to pressure anyone to to find that either. Because um, you just have to listen to yourself. Uh, and, you know, I haven't been, to start with, I didn't do jobs that I was passionate about. I was working at a gas station. I was working at whatever. 
but there, of course, I could I could find these small pockets of passion, like like serving customers really well, or or you know, like these small things that I inside of that job, even though I wouldn't like want to do that job for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I could find these small motivations within and pockets of passion within that job as well. And um, and along my career, I started off with more execution kind of jobs, which is quite natural uh, because, um, well, of course, I had these freelance kind of activities where it was always based on my expertise, but but at the same time, when I started going to the startups and companies, then it was more like COO type of jobs mm-hmm. where somebody else had the vision and I made it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so that sort of uh, uh, setup, I, I was in that setup for the past 10 years, I feel. And um, for for all that time, I was thinking, how would it feel if I I could create my vision and then execute it? And for the past year, I've been doing that. So finally, in my 40s, I'm in that situation where I can create my own visions and execute them. Mm-hmm. Before, I thought that would be the ultimate next level in, in, in you know, how could I, um, um, you know, in my purpose or career development. I, I don't like the word career either, but... but but I'm struggling to find a better one yeah. <laughs> on my path. There you go. <laughs> just remove the part that says career and just say path. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but now I'm in that situation and, and it feels fantastic mm-hmm. to be able to have that mission and that freedom to create a vision of how I'm going to get there and then execute it. Mm-hmm. It's like... All the building blocks are there. Now it's a complete picture and it's completely fulfilling. I believe that right now in, I'm in a situation where it's as fulfilling as it can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just enjoying to the fullest. <laughs> you're having a blast right now. Well, you're living life on your terms. And, and I mean, like I said, that is clear from the outside looking in. And that was a big reason why I wanted to interview you. Um, I wanted I, I wanted to ask you about the, the I mean or not ask but let's talk a little bit about what you said regarding you know when you worked at a gas station how you found things to love about it I think that is so important that's so critical because you know we won't always do things that we necessarily or that are just something we will obviously love you know it's and I think sometimes you have to look for the things you love about something. And I, I think that's such an important, I think it's a skill. I think it's a skill. And I think it's a skill that we all have to learn because we won't always have the opportunity to do something. But if we can't find something to love about it, something positive that we can extract from it, uh, that's, I think, the real loss. That's when things are bad. But we should be able to find something. I, I know that, like you, I have found those things. I, I used to park cars. <laughs> I, you know. And in the end, I actually really liked it. I liked the exercise of it because sometimes the parking lots were um, as long as like, you know, two or three uh, football fields. I mean, so I had to run all the way to the end, get a car, bring it back. And I love those sprints. I challenged myself internally, just like, all right, I'm going to see how fast I can make this run and all of that and how quickly I can get to the car. That was fun for me. I just love those things. And those things made the job 
enjoyable. Actually, I would actually dare to say the word enjoyable, not tolerable. I don't even want to say tolerable. Honestly, I had a good time. So, but to your point, I don't want to do it forever. I mean, I'm, I'm not looking to make a career out of parking cars, but for this moment that I'm in it, you know what? This job helps me pay off my student loans faster. And if I can find something to enjoy about it, then why not? And I even found ways to learn skills, valuable skills. I, I challenged myself to learn how to quickly establish a conversation with someone in that little bit of time that goes from getting out of their car to walking up to the restaurant. And if I could strike rapport with someone in that small amount of time, I go, ooh, I'm getting really good at this skill. That means I can, you know, in, at a conference, I can quickly strike rapport with someone in a short amount of time. So there was something to extract. I think this, what you just said is super important for people to think about because you may be in a situation, someone listening may be in a situation right now where they're like, this is not the job that I want to do for the rest of my life. That's okay. Cool. At least you're aware of what you like and don't like. But what can, what can you love about it for now as you plan your next move on the path? Exactly. It's a part of your path. Uh, I feel like I've been really good at motivating myself to do whatever, actually. But uh, but yeah, like you said, it's a skill. Like you have to look at what you're gaining out of it and what you can learn from it. Mm -hmm. um, and that can motivate you to... Because, you know, nothing is for forever <laughs> you know uh things will change uh you will like proceed to the next part on your path but you can always learn something important from everything you do uh and you can always find these pockets of enjoyment these yeah. like you know something that you know that sense of pride that hey i'm good at my job for example or i learned these new skills or or you know it can be anything even though you would know that you're not doing this forever. Yes, exactly what exactly, you said. Yeah. But um, um, but we have the ability to do that. There, yeah. there is like we that is on us. Mm -hmm. No one can do that for us. Like we have to do that. Like we we can't wait for the manager to do that. Yeah, that that's on us. And I'm also um, the way I'm looking at it. I, you know, I wouldn't expect as an 18 year old. I wouldn't expect to, you know, create like huge visions right away or lead uh, whatever company because I've also seen sometimes because I've been hiring people uh, in the past uh, I, I've sometimes seen young people who come out of, of uh, university they've just graduated and they're like hey I studied I studied uh, leadership so I want to be a manager like and I'm like uh, well do you have experience and they're like no but I just I read the book though yeah I read, read the, the book and now I can be a leader and um, so, you know, like you need to go all the way that yeah. path. You know, you need to start somewhere. You need to do different things. And when I said I don't do anything that I don't like, it doesn't mean that I would have expected to have immediately something like, you know, uh, because I didn't know where mean, I was going. Yeah, it doesn't mean you love everything on day one. Yeah. You know, but like you said, you develop love for yeah. some little parts of a job, even a job that as a whole, you didn't love the job. Yeah. But there were, like you said, little pieces that you loved about it and you made those, you know, something fulfilling. As uh, you know, as we bring this to a conclusion, I wanted to talk a little bit about also uh, your family. You know, uh, you have you have two kids. Um, 
Uh, and this is an important part of life. And this is something that, as I think about just my own reinvention, having recently become a father, I realized like this is an important thing to talk about because I know I used to think of this, having kids, as this moment where, okay, after that happens, I won't be able to pursue all those things that I love. And now I realize, whoa, I was so wrong. Like, if anything, I have more drive to pursue the things that I love now that I have, you know, this little bug in my life. Yeah, I I can totally relate to that because I also used to think that uh, once I have kids, my life is over. I won't be able to do anything, um, you know, pursue these passions yeah. anymore. Uh, it's not true at all. But of course, uh, this being said, um, having small kids is rough. Um, it's very physically demanding. And, and um, you also have to see this phase in life as something where you have to... Um, you have to understand that it doesn't last forever. So you have to enjoy it and at the same time see that, you know, they will grow up really quick. And once they grow up, you will have all the time in the world for any of your passions again. So you need to consider that because if you don't consider that, you will regret it later. Um, so, yeah, obviously having a family is something, it's a huge huge part of your life yeah. uh i've i have a husband and two kids and uh i've been together with my husband for 22 years so we have a long relationship mm -hmm. like over half of my life actually yeah <laughs> and um and yeah these two wonderful kids uh they are making our life a lot richer i have to say um and uh being a mother is a you know, you never feel like you're enough. <laughs> That's something you have to live with because, you know, it always feels like um, I should be more there for them. I I should be working less or, you know, it's um, an internal source of, uh, um, you know, feeling you're not enough. Yeah. But at the same time, it's the biggest thing in life because if I look at, I always used to look at my grandparents and, and see, you know, when I will be at this stage in life, what is important for me? Is it the job that I did years ago? Is it the, you know, I don't know, the performances or prices or whatever. And the now, checks you cash. Yeah, or the money or whatever. No, it's going to be your kids and your family that matters. The relationships. Exactly. That's 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 really, if we really go to what truly matters in life mm. um, and, you know, just go to old people and see what, what's important and, and, for them. And people have done this. Like there, yeah. there are books written about this, which is wonderful that someone has taken the time to ask people, you know, in these moments and get these answers. Uh, I don't remember the title of it, but I know it's a book that's in my Amazon cart uh, that that is like a summary of research done asking people. And yeah, everything you just said is so true. It's more on the people, the relationships, the impact made, not the money, not the jobs, not the extra late nights at the office. None of that mattered. They don't even remember. Like, I don't even remember why I stayed the extra nights at the office. Can't even remember the project I was working on. Yeah. So you have to keep that in mind, yeah. even though there are different phases in life. Mm 
Yes. Now we are living this phase of, uh, in, in, in Finnish we call these years when you have small kids and you have your jobs and stuff, they they are like the uh, rushing years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where When you're like really tied on resources, tied, like you don't, you don't sleep enough. Uh, mm-hmm. You're always feel like, okay, I'm not doing my job well enough. I'm not for my, there for my kids yeah. enough. You know, y- you feel like you're not enough. Because stretched thin. So like much. you're very stretched yeah. thin right now. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, if, if you look at life as a whole, uh, there are different things that are more on the surface in these, all these different parts of life. My, my very, very dear grandfather just passed away one year ago. And, Sorry. Uh, thanks. Uh, he's he has always been a big inspiration for me in in so many ways, um, because I feel like there's a lot of how he is in me. Like mm. I'm a lot like him. Yeah. Um. He was super stubborn. He was like a huge personality. He was um. When he was on a mission, there was nothing that would stop him mm. from doing that. And I'm exactly like that. <laughs> and um, and he he was always like, uh, also he, he loved people. He was very generous. He he helped people a lot um, throughout his life. And what mattered to him the most at the end was just his family. And yeah, I, I'm trying to keep that in mind yeah. while I'm living these crazy years. And remember that what really ultimately matters. You know what I love seeing and I pay attention and I think this connects to what you're saying. Um, I've been paying a lot more attention to parents of kids who are older, like 18, 19, even in their early 20s or mid 20s. And I and just looking at the way, really paying attention to the way those parents feel about their kids, think about their kids talk about their kids and it just gives a lot of perspective to what the stage I'm about to enter you know as Sophia grows up and all of that that wow you know it seems like none of that matters anymore the the challenge the the sleepless nights all it was almost like a pleasure because now they get to live this beautiful moment where they're like wow you know my kids out there doing something and I'm so freaking proud of them and and it's just such a beautiful thing when I see it. It just makes me just feel like, yeah, this is, I'm so glad I get to pay attention. I'm paying attention to this because, and I think about my own mother and how she looked at me and my sister and and just how how much, like how proud she was of us and how happy just our existence and happiness made her like crazy. And so I'm like, wow, I'm at the beginning of this with Sophia and and I can't wait for that. Like, I'm excited for that. I'm going to enjoy every minute of it, knowing that no matter how tough it gets, because it will, no doubt, because, you know, she's going to have to go through this growing phase, which is never easy. And, uh, you know, and we're going to be there for her. So, but knowing that, hey, there's this beautiful moment where you watch it just all come together and you watch this human just flourish and you're like, wow. <laughs> didn't always think this was going to happen, but look at that. And that's what I hear from parents. They're like, I didn't always see that. Sometimes I was wondering, are they going to make it? But yeah. they made it. Parenthood, oh, it's it's a huge adventure. Um, then there is like all, all the scale of feelings is, is connected to it. Uh, you will live good moments and bad moments and really 
amazing, the best moments in life and, and also the, the lowest points in life. Yeah. So um, there's a big variation of, of uh, what's going on in, in this parenthood. Uh, I always used to think that parenting is really tough. And yes, it, it, it is. <laughs> it is just as tough as I imagined it, but it's very paradoxic. But at the same, because at the same time, it can be that the hardest thing you ever did and the best thing that you ever yeah. did. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It, well, it's like, I, I feel like what you just said made me think of something. It, it's no different than the way people describe bringing their dreams to life. Mm. It's, there are challenges. It's hard. At times it breaks your heart and all that but going back to what you said earlier but when you're powered by purpose when you know why you're doing something well that's a game changer because i'm in it for the long haul this is not something that i i just frivolously chose no i'm in it just like with your kids like i th i have my purpose very i know what it is so i'm ready to rock and roll so yeah ups and downs but let's go we're doing it and we're gonna get there Bye, thank you so much thank for you. this awesome conversation i love where it went all the different things we got to talk about. But I mean, and that's what the, the journey to reinvention is. There's so many areas. And um, gosh, I feel like if you and I had another two hours, we could explore even more okay. areas of the journey. Um, but I, I appreciate you sharing so openly. Uh, that's what makes these episodes and these interviews effective. Uh, without that, you know, they're really just you know, Yeah, there fluff. would be just empty. Just fluff. Yeah. 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 I mean, it wouldn't make any sense to... <laughs> to to talk about just the surface because this you know that's what the reinvention is about to to go deep yep. and to really be open about your your ideas and experiences awesome. but thank you so much for inviting me on the show my pleasure my pleasure thanks again Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.